With a new spin on public radio, this is B-Side. When did you learn about it? Did your parents sit you down? Was there a picture book involved? Or did you just learn by doing? Did you swear you'd wait till marriage? Did you actually wait? I'm Mia Lobel, and we're talking about sex as we flip to the B-side. My father told me about sex when I was uh, in second grade. He gave me a very, he's a physician, he gave me a very, very clinical explanation of, of sex. That would be my mom, and I was about four to five years old at that point in time. In elementary school, in school bus. A lot of it I got by reading Vogue magazine when I was about 12 years old. I, um, my mother was no longer present, so I picked things up on my own by reading. Uh, and then in high school we did have sex education, but by then I was already sort of familiarized with some of this myself through activity. I guessed at some things and they were wrong. <laughs> I thought you urinated in a woman to get her pregnant. <laughs> this time on B-Side, sex. Starting with one extreme, not doing it. First up, Kishandra Kiki Smith. She's 20 years old. Kiki is going against the tide and staying abstinent. Normally, I tell people off the bat, we're not having sex. You know, they could take it from there. I don't usually lead them on in that sense, you know. And I've, I've had people ask me over and over again, you know, I consistently tell them no, no, no. And then they'd be like, all right, one day you're going to be ready for me and all this stuff. You know, the next day, hey, oh, what's up, Kiki, you know, but they don't talk about that. When I was like in the fifth and sixth grade, yeah, six, more so six and seven, they just flat out act, you know. But then as I start getting older, people, they start being more mature with their minds, you know, trying to find ways, you know, trying to what they call mouthpiece me, just spitting the game at me or whatever, you know, saying, baby girl, you know, I love you so much and all these types of things. And, you know, man, I want to marry you. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know. It was so easy for me to say no for some reason. I, you know, I don't know why. It was just easy, like, no. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if it's because I got tired of people asking me right off the bat, when you gonna come to my house, you know, or when we on whatever term they use, you know. And so I guess I grew up more mature than others. I really think it came from God. You know, God blessed me with that strength. I really think so because I've had plenty of times to have sex. Plenty of times. Nobody dissed me for my beliefs except for guys who tried to talk their way into getting in my pants, I guess you could say. But then once they seen I was strong and say no, you know, they say, okay, you know, they had their own opinions, but they were still cool with me. Well, some of my friends, you know, they, you know, girl talk, they just used to make jokes like, girl, when your first time come, 
this is going to happen. You know, Kiki going to be like this, and Kiki going to be like that. You know, make little jokes about it, but, you know, they always say, but I better not ever catch you doing it. <laughs> I have best friends who've been through this, you know, who've been through that, you know, with sex involved, and it hurt me to see them have to go through certain things. Even when we were in high school, like 11th grade, you know, a lot of my friends were sexually active and didn't want me to have sex either, you know, because for one, they didn't want me to endure the pain that they went through, not physically, but, you know, emotionally, just in case somebody tried to leave me or something like that. And I really respect them a lot, but then in a sense, it kind of makes them a hypocrite because they're doing this, but yet they tell me no. To the best of my ability, I'm going to keep practicing until I get married because it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. My name is Katrina Foe. I am 28 years old and I'm a Pilates instructor. I am a born-again Christian and I attend Scottsdale Bible Church. I met my husband about three years ago. We were um, at a church event, and we just hit it off and started hanging out. Came up out. pretty early on. Um, both of us had pretty strong convictions. Um, our, our church very strongly advocates uh, abstinence before marriage for a lot of reasons, which both of us felt very strongly My husband about, and I, and neither one were virgins when we got married, but we hadn't had sex with each other, which is, I think, kind of the interesting um, spin. I was actually raped when I was 16, um, date raped, and became very promiscuous after that and really uh, had a hard time going back and finding that that purity and it was very important I definitely to had to relearn what sex meant I had to redefine my whole understanding of what sex was when I was growing up sex was a a tool to get men's attention a tool to uh, get the emotional you know love that I needed and the unconditional acceptance and it, it wasn't what it was supposed it was to be. It's very important to me that I could separate and put that those relationships that I'd had with other guys away um, and save it for my husband, which is really hard if you've already had sex to then not have sex with the person that you love more than you've ever loved anyone else before. Um, but I think it was okay. Um, some, some light touching um, in the non-bikini areas. <laughs> Um, was okay for us and after a while you know closer to the the marriage date we actually had to set it where a minute only of kissing because after that it would get a little carried away oh, um, I mean I can't husband. say we we're perfect but we did not actually have sex <laughs> we had to refine our boundaries and um, decide okay you know what this is this is a hard situation for us to be so let's avoid that and um, we made a big effort to not be alone with each other. Um, it is a sacrifice, and it's a, a waiting for a reason. Um, I'm waiting so that I can give him something really special on our wedding day, or I, I waited. It, it was a really strange thing on our wedding day because all of a sudden all the boundaries are gone and then we could have sex, and, and it took a little while to get you know adjusted towards it. Oh, no, we can't do anything, and then all of a sudden you can do everything. And, but it's, it's so much fun. I think that's what the honeymoon's for, is kind of finding that time and getting to know each other. And, you know, I, I mean, we didn't have just perfect sex right off, but you got plenty of time to practice. <laughs> My mother always told me that, uh, she had something to tell me when I got older, and by the time she told me, 
I probably knew more than she knew. So I think she took finally told me about 12. And, and uh, then I had to say, well, mother, I know all that. How did you know? Well, I had to fake it. Like, well, I had been uh, sexually active since I was about four years old. A lot of people don't want to believe it, but that's the way you learn in the ghetto. Person kind of involved in sex was with an older person that was um, engaged by my parents to babysit for us away on the trip. So, uh, and in fact, I never had an intercourse uh, with the uh, obvious sex until I was in the service. listening to B-Side, and we're talking about sex. I've had relations with girls from many nations of my passes and women of all My name is Tamara Keith. It happened before I was in high school that girls I actually knew got pregnant. When I was in junior high and one of the girls in my Girl Scout troop got pregnant and that pretty much was the end of that one. I think that from the time I was very little it was ingrained that I was going to college and that a very big impediment to going to college would be getting pregnant. Like basically pregnancy would be this horrible thing. I mean, it was the worst possible thing that could happen. My parents did definitely, despite all of their preaching, did not trust me. And I had this very serious boyfriend who was several years older than me when I was 14. And one day, I guess they'd done a little research, they took me to the doctor and had Norplant implanted in my arm. And, and, and it wasn't like I asked for it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't begging for birth control. They just did it. They had these sticks implanted in my arm that would last five years, and they said something to the effect of, well, by the time these things wear off, you'll be out of here. So I made it through high school, and then I went away to college, and eventually I moved back to the area where I'd grown up, in the Central Valley in California. And um, this whole, like, nor plant teen pregnancy thing was still bugging me like I'd see teen moms I mean they're like everywhere and 
I just didn't get it. Why someone would allow themselves to become a teen parent. Why they'd, you know, not get on birth control and not prevent this thing from happening. Um, so I went to this teen parents club meeting at Madera High School, which is this little town, um, a lot like my hometown. And um, I met these three girls, uh, Margarita and Sarah, who are sisters, and, and Myra. And they all have little kids. And um, somehow I convinced them that they should tell me their stories. Um, my name is Margarita Segura. I'm 16 years old and I'm in 11th grade. And I have a son named Alberto and he's two years old. I met Margarita at the public housing apartments where she lives with her mom and dad and sister and little brother. And um, that's Alberto playing, who you can hear. You can also hear an ice cream truck, which just kept circling around the neighborhood the whole time we were hanging out. Um, Margarita told me that she got pregnant when she was 12, just a couple of months before she turned 13. He was 20. Like, what kind of stuff did he tell you? Well, he'd tell me, how do you call, like, you get blue balls or something? I don't know, that their sign starts hurting or something. And at that age, I was real stupid. I don't know, I believed everything. So he said he was suffering. Yeah, and that he'd, like, I don't know, he said that he would tell people that if something ever got to happen to him, it would be my fault. So, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, totally not true. I mean, she was 12 years old. She... She would believe anything this guy told her. I mean, he was so much older, so much more experienced. And, I mean, she didn't even realize that blue balls wasn't a real condition until, you know, her junior year of high school. I mean, like, to me, this whole thing was so shocking. Because when I was 12, I was, I mean, I I was playing with dolls still. I guess at 12, you probably wouldn't be on birth control. No. Oh, I didn't even think about birth control. I didn't even know what that even was at that time. And my mom, obviously, she wouldn't have let me. She didn't even know I was going out with him because I'd sneak out of the house. So. Do you feel like you just weren't able to talk to your mom before? Yeah, I guess I was kind of scared to tell her that I was going out with someone that old. Well, and you know what she would have said. Yeah, she would have started to leave him because he was too old and he would have taken advantage of me. Margarita didn't know much about sex except that she knew how to do it. And so when she got pregnant, she didn't know that she was pregnant. She just thought she was sick because she'd feel nauseous all the time. And so eventually she went to the doctor because she thought she was sick. And one day my aunt said, well, let's take you to the doctor. And she took me, and then they're like, well, do you want us to do your pregnancy test? And I said, no, I don't think I'm pregnant. And then she's like, well, still, you don't get to decide because you're still a minor. So she asked my aunt, and my aunt said if I wanted to, and I said, okay. And then a couple of minutes, she came, the nurse came in, and she said, okay, well, you're pregnant. So I was, like, shocked at that time because I was still young. I'm still young, but I was young at that time, too. Her family was really shocked and really unhappy with her, but I think they quickly switched from being angry to making preparations for the new baby. 
and this is my own analysis, but I think her sister Sarah was looking at this and saying, wow, that seems kind of neat. I don't know. It was At first I got scared. And I was like, she's so little and kind of got mad at her. But I didn't realize at all that that was going to happen to me. You know, it was just like the first time. Hmm. That was it. I was like, but it's cute having her baby around, and it's fun. But you kind of knew what had happened, right? Yeah. And you just didn't think it could happen to you, too? Yeah, like some other people. It's not going to happen to me, and that's what I used to say. I'm not going to happen to me. I won't, and the first thing I know is, like, now it's me. Yeah. Had you thought about birth control or anything? No, I don't really believe in that. I was like... I don't know, it's like the problems that you could ha have and everything, it's like, I don't know, not really. Yeah. After talking to Sarah, I wanted to talk to Margarita again, because um, although Sarah's the older sister, Margarita seems more mature, more wise to the world. It's like, because she had her baby first, she it became took on the role of the older sister. And I wanted to know what she thought of of Sarah getting pregnant too. Um, so we, we talked some more um, and Alberto, her son, w wanted to ride his big wheel and there's a cement sidewalk that encircles the housing complex. And so um, we walked and talked as Alberto rode his big wheel all around on the sidewalk in loops. So were you surprised that your sister had a baby too? Yeah, because in a way I always told her not to ever get pregnant because it may seem easy, but it's really not easy. And she was saying, oh, I won't get pregnant. I'm not going to do the same thing as you did. And I was like, okay. And when I found out she was pregnant, I was like, didn't you learn anything from me? She's not like, yeah, but things happen. I was like, oh, okay. And I guess you understand. Yeah. I also, I mean, I wasn't told, I just used to, when there was this girl at school, she said she was pregnant. She was young, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's so young. I know I'm never going to get pregnant. I'll probably get pregnant until I'm married. I ended up getting pregnant young, too. You know, as I was driving home, I still, like, I still didn't totally get it. Like... I just didn't understand how, I mean, I know that for them, it wasn't this horrible fate, but I still didn't totally understand how they let it happen. And and I guess in the case of Margarita, like, she was way too young to know what was going on. And, and I think for Sarah, it was a certain level of indifference that allowed it to happen. And I think that's not uncommon. I think it's, I think that's the way it happens for a lot of people. And, and that was the case with Myra, too. My name is Myra. I'm a senior in high school. I have a two-year-old son, and I got pregnant when I was 13. Myra is just this amazing, amazing girl. She's just so put together, and her son Israel is the cutest child on the planet. And um, she just let me spend a lot of time with them, like morning, afternoon, evening, all the time. 
So one morning she tells me to be at her house at six o'clock. And so I show up and um, she's just put it, putting the finishing touches, you know, doing her makeup, straightening out her hair a little bit. And um, then we go and wake up Israel. So when we're in there and she wakes him up, he is just like groggy and, and she's in a hurry to get to school. So she's just like pulling his pajamas off, putting on his little Pokemon underwear, getting him dressed. And he, he seems like he's barely even awake. Getting him ready, going to the class. And it's like all like you're always in a hurry. It was this total rush. Like she, once she got his clothes on him, I mean, it was boom into the car seat and they were gone. Another day I was at the school where Israel goes to preschool and where Myra goes to high school. And I was hanging out with Israel when Myra showed up during a little break between her classes. Did you have a good day today? Did you have time out? Did you have time out? Did you have time out today, Israel? They played with this little puzzle and she talks to him a little bit. What is that? The monkey. The monkey? I thought that Myra was going to stay for a long time, but then the bell rang and she had to leave. And so she's like, okay, I've got to go, Israel. Give me kissy, mommy wants to go now. Give me kissy. I love you, okay? I'll be back later. And he just started crying and crying and he just cried forever, it seemed like. And I tried to talk to him, but um, I don't really know how to talk to two-year-olds. And so he just kept crying, even through his lunch. Israel, it's okay, dude. Myra and I, we talked a lot. And I asked her more than once, like, how did you let this happen? And her response was, you know, that she just wasn't thinking. She wasn't thinking about anyone else. She was kind of just fatalistic like back then you just think about yourself you don't think about what other people are around you what are they what it's like the consequences and all that she thought she might be pregnant so she and her boyfriend went to the clinic and found out that she was pregnant and then she says they just came home and flat out told her parents like there wasn't any dancing around it or trying to keep it a secret they just told them and she says you know it's because she didn't care what they thought at the time, I was like, well, if it happens, oh, well. And, you know, I didn't really care what would they say or what are my parents going to say or what am I going to do. I was like, well, too bad, you know, you're pregnant, oh, well. You weren't trying to get pregnant. No. But you weren't trying not to. I wasn't trying not to either. I was like, I don't know. I was like just there. I wasn't like, I wasn't worrying about, well, if I get pregnant, you know, I should, you're supposed to, I should get on birth control or anything. I didn't. Back like back then, I would, didn't know about birth control. I knew about condoms, but like not like everything about them. Like I was, I don't know, I was dumb. I talked to her mom about it. Her name is Francisca, and she only speaks Spanish. She works um, as a dishwasher at an Indian gaming casino, and um, I had to have my friend help translate. Um, and she she just seems like. She was caught off guard. She was. She just wasn't expecting this to happen to her daughter. Oh, que el mundo se me acababa. 
I felt like the world was ending. I just wanted the ground to open and swallow me up. You know, I I asked her, do did did you teach her? Did you did you tell her not to have sex? And she said, yeah, you know, where I grew up in Mexico, you didn't do those kinds of things. And she just figured that Myra would do the same. Me duró bastante el coraje, pero hasta que definitivamente yo my anger lasted a long time until finally I said, Oh God, what else can I do? It's done. I begged God to make my anger go away. Everyone kept telling me that the only thing I could do was to help her and support her. Myra still lives at home and she shares her bedroom, her bed with Israel. And so her mom is sort of like helping to raise him. I think Myra now realizes how much she hurt her mom by getting pregnant. And, but, but at the same time, she wouldn't take it back. You know, if I could change time, I would change time and put it, like, to later. I mean, I don't, like, regret having my son, like, you know, I would like to have him later, but not right now. My infiltration of Myra's life was pretty extensive. And so another day, this must have been, like, the fifth or sixth time I came to visit her, um, I stayed late enough that um, it was time for Israel to go to bed. And um, he really did not want to go to bed. Myra needed to get rid of me and she needed to study and um, Israel he loves books Israel really loves books and so um, he begged and begged for her to read a book before he went to sleep a butterfly flutters flap 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 look at the butterfly what color is it Red. What color is the butterfly? Purple. What color is it? Purple. Pink. They finished the second book, and it's it's time for Israel to go to sleep. The end. Time to go to sleep. This one. No more stories. Time to Mimi's. Mimi, the chair light. Okay, mommy. Okay, mommy. Myra starts to sing and she's patting Israel on the shoulder and eventually he falls asleep and so we get up and she gently shuts the door behind us and we go and we sit at her kitchen table and we talk and like Myra she's such a good mom like in a way I'm jealous of this life that she has with Israel who's this wonderful child um but at the same time, like, it's not something that I would have wanted for myself when I was 16 or 20, for that matter. Meeting these girls and spending time with these girls, I still don't totally know how I feel about it. I think, you know, having a kid for Margarita and Sarah and Myra was not this fate worse than death that it would have been for me because they weren't necessarily going to college. They didn't have future plans that they screwed up. Those girls, they chose a different path for me. And actually, none of us were really choosing anything because I didn't choose to be on Norplant. I didn't choose to have my parents put me on birth control. And they didn't really choose to become teen parents. They just let it happen. In a way, as messed up as it was, I'm glad that my parents put me on Norplant because I think that being a teen parent 
is really hard. And as good a job as Myra is doing and, you know, as hard as Margarita and Sarah are trying, it's still not ideal. It's not perfect. It's they're going to have a hard life. A lot harder than certainly my life. You've been listening to B-Side. That last story was produced by our senior producer, Tamara Keith. Kiki's story was produced by Molly Peterson. Katrina's story was produced by Renee Gattel. We also had assistance this time from Mike Fitzhugh, Caitlin Kim, and Marie Matheson. Our crew is Dave Gilson, Lissa Mudd, and Claudine Zapp. Our theme music was composed by Dave Kaufman. I'm Mia Lobel. Bell.